Now, that isn't saying that you have to buy something, but I would highly encourage it, all right? If you've been back there and look at it, you're like, that is awesome stuff, all right? That's super high-quality stuff. Um, his wife, where's your wife? Lisa. Lisa. There you are. Okay, his wife, Lisa. She's going to be back there. She's taking, she's got a square, okay? Don't think, I don't have any cash. You got a debit card. Don't worry about it, all right? And so uh, she'll be back there. But I do encourage you guys, check that stuff out. See what, see what you could help uh, them out with. Um, but we're going to listen to a great story. And any time that the story talks about our creator, uh, God, and then our interweaving into that, I just think it's, it's an amazing thing. And so I just, without further ado, want to welcome Dave Blakesley. Yeah, the thing I've noticed about Andy is he's so timid. <laughs> we got to work on that. What a great bunch of people you are. I loved, uh, I'm a little exuberant in worship and praise. I get a little crazy, embarrasses my wife. Um, so I always go to the back, and so I'm watching all of you, and, and it was wonderful, just the, the presence of God in this room. And, and I have to tell you, the very first thing in prayer this morning, Pastor Andy uh, started off by praying for all the churches in this town. And whenever that happens, man, that just, I go, this is a healthy place. Because we are all the bride of Christ. And, uh, you know, Jesus said straight ahead, he said, for God so loved the world, no exclusion, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So, love it when a church, it, that's powerful, powerful stuff when we come together and uh, we're not competitive and we're, we just love each other. And it's, it's a great journey. So today we're going to talk about all of us being created on purpose, for purpose. And I've been near the ocean enough fishing lately that it's going to be a little confusing. I may say porpoise instead of purpose occasionally. Because for the first time in my life, I've had the opportunity to go saltwater fishing. And I've discovered these critters want to grab my sea trout as I'm pulling it into the boat. It's like, no. So, um, but they are one of God's creations. So this morning, uh, I want to start off with a, just a couple of verses. And if you can't see this clay from where you're sitting, it would be really advisable for you to move around a little bit. Don't be embarrassed by that. Because half, really, I'd say two-thirds of the impact of this message is not verbal. It's, it's visual. So um, make, sure, make sure that you can see what's happening up front here. Um, let me talk a little bit about what God says about us being created for a purpose. Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verse 4 and 5. Uh, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying... Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, he is speaking to Jeremiah, and obviously the book of Jeremiah reveals the fact that Jeremiah fulfilled the calling that God saw before Jeremiah was formed in his mother's womb. I don't know how that happens, guys. 
But I think that's one of the most astounding verses in Scripture, that God would know you and me before we are formed. This is a creative God who knows vision, is not bound by time as we are, sees ahead, sees past, and puts it all together, highly creative. Any of you right now who are like, you know, engineer, math, logical people, and you're going, oh gosh, we got this artsy-fartsy guy up front now. What are we going to do with this? Um, may I tell you that the very first words in the Bible are, in the beginning, God created. Oh my gosh. And a little bit later in the same chapter, the Trinity said, let us make man in our image. Oh my gosh. So we are therefore creative people, every one of us. You may be creative in the way that you drive. You may be creative in the way you kiss your wife. You may be creative in all sorts of things. But we are to be creative people. Verdad? Okay. Uh, now, for some of you who are quickly backpedaling and saying, hey, Jeremiah is a big shot guy. He's got a book in the Bible named after him. I'm not like that. Uh, cut it out, Dave. Um, I, I, I want to live my own life. Thank you very much. Um, it's really boring living your own life. It really is. It is thrilling to say, yes, God. Absolutely thrilling. Scary? Absolutely. Can't do it on your own? Absolutely. That's why we need God. And that's why he's Lord. And that's why Jesus, when he looked at, at the disciples out on the, uh, fishing out on the shoreline, he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. All you and I have to do is say, I'll come to you, Jesus. And I'm going to follow you, Jesus. <sighs> Dangerous stuff, guys. Don't worry about how you're going to make yourself into that. Whatever it is that he's got for you, he says, and I will make you. These are young guys. They, you know, they got to bar mitzvah, but they were not the favored ones of the rabbi. Otherwise, they would have gone on to rabbinical school instead of being fishermen. They're kind of the, you know, I won't say flunkies, but middle of the road guys, you know, didn't go to college. And Jesus said, you and you and you and you, come, follow me. And there, are, I would suspect all, if not all of you, there may be some of you who are just starting to date God, and I hope you're here this morning, because God already knows you. And he's inviting you to take one step closer, just one step. And uh, is it dangerous? Absolutely. But I'll tell you, when you look over the edge of the Grand Canyon and you go, wow, that's like seeing Jesus for the first time. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, For we, all inclusive, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Now there are many, many, why a potter up front of you? There are so many verses in the Bible that refer to God metaphorically as the potter and you and I as the clay. So let's take a good look at it. Pretty simple stuff. Not silver, not gold, not silk, not rosewood, not your favorite classic car. It's Pretty basic stuff. Very common all over the planet. And yet, clay 
will receive whatever impression that I give it. And you and I, we are created to be impressionable people. We can be impressed by the world, or we can be impressed by the hand of God. And this morning, obviously, we're going to talk about being impressed, hands-on experience with God. Lisa and I have been a member of part of the Vineyard Tribe since about 1984. And uh, very shortly after we came to Christ, and love this tribe, love the whole church, the whole bride, but this is the one that God has chosen for us to be a part of. And I'm so grateful because I could come in my jeans. I could even come like this, and it's okay. So the very first thing is going to happen here is that I'm going to call this hunk of clay Joe. And Joe, and it's not a prophetic word if you're named Joseph out there. Um, Joe is, uh, he's really excited to be next to the potter and he's already imagining what he's going to be and like most of us, we try to make our own lives, don't we? We make our own choices, we want, we want to do it on our own. We're Americans, we're kind of wired for this and, and so Joe is, first of all, he's going to do positive thinking. Um, I am a vase, I, I am a large vase, a beautiful vase, a strong vase. That's not the ocean. Is it me? Do I need to make a change? Am I good? Oh, I love when the pastor says I'm good. Ooh, that was it. Yeah. Are we okay now? Testing. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Andy. Um, so, Joe is... Maybe I'm rubbing against it. I am so low-tech. Anybody out there relate with that? Low-tech, yeah, yeah. Let's see if it works better in the hip pocket. Testing, one, two, three, testing. Well, here we are again. So, Joe <coughs> and Dave um, are both thinking positively. <laughs> We're, we, we've got a good sound system now. Um, Joe is thinking, I am a pot, I am a big vase, a large jar placed in the front of a house. And people enter into the house, I know I'm a vase, I know I'm a pot, I'm a big beautiful pot, I am a, I am a vase filled with flowers, I am a vase, I am a vase. Not much happening, Joe. Well then, the next thing that we tend to think will accomplish the purpose of which we think we're going to be is to do whatever that is, and Joe, I'm not terribly impressed. Uh, nice try, but it's not pulling it off yet. And, uh, oh, uh, you know, another very, very common thing that we will do, huh, there was a vase up here. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Sometimes we think if we hang out with a vase, we can become whatever that is. I tried that in sports. It didn't work. <laughs> all right. So, Joe, the only way that you're going to become all that I, as a potter, envision of you is that you're going to have to rely on me. So will you surrender? And around and around we're going to go. Hallelujah. 
All right, Joe, we're going to start off first with water. And I think of water as both the word and the spirit. You will see me applying water throughout the entire formation of this pot. And as you can see right now, this clay is kind of wobbly. It's moving around. It's not what we call being centered yet. And I don't know about you, but I look at centering, which is the potter's hands making it still, you'll see it in just a minute, as, as the process that each of us must go through on a regular basis throughout the day. You know, I mean, Pastor Andy got centered when he actually admitted to his daughter that he needed prayer. And she prayed for him. And don't you love it that a potter, the image of a potter as God is that um, God is not a distant God way out in outer space. The Lord revealed the nature of God when he placed his hands on people that were sick and said, be healed. When he put his arms around those who needed love, when he called the children up to him, our God is a very intimate God, even like a potter. Potter's hands are intimate. In centering the clay, what I'm thinking of is that you and I need to be stilled by God. When we're in the midst of life's chaos, and remember April 15th is soon upon us, um, when we're in the midst of life's chaos, we need to be stilled by God that we might be formed in his hands in the way that he has for us. I think of it as a, a regular practice, a spiritual discipline. It might be time of prayer, it might be time of reading the word. It might be time just simply gazing out on God's creation and praising him for it. Whatever is your manner of becoming still with God, do it. I read a book recently, I can't remember the complete title, but it was something like Embracing the Love of God. And I think that's the greatest stillness we can have is to know that we are beloved. And that not only does he love us, but he likes us. So whatever brings you to stillness, you need that every day in order to walk in the purpose that God has for you that day. And sometimes God will reveal his plans for you that are different than your plans. We're going to talk a lot about that in a little bit. But God is a God who communicates to us by his word and by his spirit, his Holy Spirit. And that's how the incredible stuff happens. When we say yes, Lord. Those are two of the most powerful words I know of aside from the name Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. To say no, Lord, is really not only an act of rebellion, and frankly, I think stupidity, but um, it's contrary to the truth because he is Lord. If we say no, Lord, he's not Lord of our lives anyway. And believe me, there will be things that God will invite you into which you go, uh-uh. Let him center you in that. He will probably repeat the invitation over and over None of you ever argue with God, right? Okay, just checking. 
I have. I have to confess that. When the Lord invited me to no longer be a potter, but to be a pastor at the ripe old age of being in Christ for maybe three to four years, um, my best argument to the Lord is I have only read half your book. He is an amazing God. So this clay is almost centered now. None of you are getting sprayed yet, right? You're okay? Okay, good. Okay, yet, yet is the word, that's right. Now actually I think this is probably your most opportune time to get muddy, but um, it does, parents, it does wash out. Okay. The very next thing that's going to happen is I'm going to find the very center point of this centered clay and dive in. And I think of the center of our being is in a sense like our spirit, our soul, our heart. And God wants to live right there. And he comes right inside of us. You see, you know, our, our culture, our world is very focused on how we appear on the outside. God is much more interested on the inner working of who we are really. And in preparation for creating us into his image, creating us into the purpose and the plans that he has for us, you see, I already know what shape this clay is going to become. That's the only way I can get a grip on that verse to Jeremiah. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I've already envisioned this pot. I can already see the colors. I can already see the use. Because I have the ability to create that. Unless the clay rebels. Which, gladly so far in my history of sitting in front of a lot of people, it hasn't happened But God is writing a story in my life and in your life. There are chapters in the story. And each chapter will have a point of purpose. But then there is a grand scheme of the whole thing as well. I would encourage you to spend time and say, what's the core, Lord? What did you really, really make me for? And I don't think it's necessarily an office or a role. I think it's the center of who you really are, who God envisioned when he first created you. And I think there is no, other, no greater joy, apart from coming to Christ initially, there is no greater joy than living out what he's made you for. We are all on a mission together as a church. And I believe churches have purpose. That this church, for example, has specific purpose in mind of God. And we all do well to heed to that. So I've created the foundation of this vessel, which will determine its future shape. 
I'm also investigating, are there stones? Are there air bubbles? Are there any foreign objects in here? Just as God will investigate our inner person and say, okay, what is, what are you, what's the sin area in your life that you struggle with? Let me help you with that. What is the brokenness? What are the fears? What are the anxieties? Let me help you with that. For in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Amen? In Christ. All right, now it starts to get exciting. Okay, Joe, are you ready? Because you're going to start to grow now. And uh, this, this growing process requires a partnership of two hands. And, and I think of it as the partnership between yourself, myself, and God. And I'm going to take the, the inner hand, in a sense, and, and talk about God. Um, no, I'm going to reverse it today. I'm changing up. My inner hand representing ourselves, outer hand representing God, affecting our lives, leading our lives, talking to us, communicating with us. Now, by the way, when I say God talking to us, uh, rarely does he audibly speak. I'm, I'm talking more about a, a witness that we have in our spirit man, a, a thought that was not our own. Uh, you walk into a grocery store and all of a sudden you hear the word apple jelly. And you're like, no, I was going for pizza. And, uh, and it's, you, know, you hear it again, you're going, that is clearly not my thought. And so you uh, go, well, maybe it might be God. So you look down the, the aisles and you go, okay, jelly jam, okay. And you go down that aisle and there is Deborah. And Deborah is a good friend of yours. And you go, hey, Deborah, how you doing? And, oh, I'm having a terrible day for whatever reason. And you do the vineyard thing, right? Can I pray for you right now? That's the important last part. And, you know, you don't have to block the aisle, um, you know, unless she falls out in the spirit, and then we've got a whole other thing going on. But, um, you know, usually off to the side a little bit, quiet prayer. Well, you see, that's something God had set up when you walked in the store. He knew her heart and what she needed. He knew your willingness to obey. That's how it gets exciting, guys. So learning to listen to what God is saying to us through his word, through each moment of the day as we surrender ourselves to him, and then doing it, oh my goodness. Hallelujah. It's so much fun. So, in this partnership with God, we grow up in Christ. As, as we listen and obey, he will raise us up. There are a lot of activities that we can be involved in that help us to grow. Um, I think that there's tremendous power in praising God. You know, even if you sound like a bullfrog when you sing, please sing. Because we enter his gates with thanksgiving, it is written. 
And being thankful is an important part of growing in Christ, no matter what our condition is. Finding something, hey, it's the air I'm breathing even. Thank you, Lord. Um, that, that the sermon is almost over. Thank you, Lord. Um, that whatever. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. There is power that happens within us as we exuberantly praise the Lord wholeheartedly. We can praise the Lord in many ways. We can praise the Lord in giving. We can praise the Lord in song. We can praise the Lord in acts of service to others. I would invite you to begin to ask God to reveal to you how he sees you, who you truly are in Christ. Seek him out. Spend time with that question. Who did you make me to be, God? You know, in, in, in the Hebrew culture, there is that, that bar mitzvah time, uh, which even Jesus went through. I, I believe that's why he was at the temple with his parents um, in Jerusalem in the famous time when his parents took off with all the rest of the crowd and uh, at some point afterwards they went, oh my gosh, where is Jesus? Can you imagine being Joseph at that moment? I have lost the son of God. <laughs> Panic. And, and they go up, they finally find him where? Speaking to all of the priests, the rabbis, the, with incredible words of knowledge. How could this little boy know all this stuff? And he says to them, his parents, when they're going, where were you? He said, I must. I love this. I must be in my father's house. Didn't you know? That's the moment when Jesus is stepping into knowing who he is and announcing it. We all must have those moments of knowing who we are, of how God has formed us, how he's put all the chapters together, the good, the bad, the ugly, the glorious, and woven it into a story, piece by piece. And out of that comes an incredibly fulfilled life that ministers to others around. So Joe, you're rising up, you're starting to take shape. It's very exciting, Joe. As soon we're going to even get further along here. And, and uh, Andy, this service ends at 1.30, right? Is that? Uh, yeah. Just checking. want to make sure. 2.30. Oh, good. I love an open church, man. I just, you know. You know, the last time that I saw a group of church people uh, bringing offerings up to the front like you guys did, which I thought was beautiful. I was staying in the back. Um, was in Africa, but they danced to the front. Uh huh. We got to work on that part. <laughs> Even if you're like me and you have no rhythm, you know, go for it. All right, Joe, we're going to start to stretch you. You've grown up quite a bit. We're going to stretch you. 
How many of you, let's just see some hands for a minute. How many of you, even right now, you're feeling a bit stretched by God in your life? Yeah, all right. And it's, it's a little frightening. Joe right now could be saying, uh, <coughs> Potter, Potter, uh, do you know that the walls of, of this, of what you're making me into here, uh, it, they're getting thin and I'm soft. And um, especially around the middle, I'm getting really soft here. And some of you can relate with that. The, um, and gravity is working, Lord. There's, there's gravity here. Uh, Potter, do you really know what you're doing? Hello. We all have those moments, don't we? God, what the heck are you doing? And Joe, I know exactly what I'm making you into. And I have the ability to form you. And when God looked down and don't you love it when, when Elijah goes to pick out the, is it Elijah? Who's, who picked out David? Help me now. Samuel? Samuel, thank you. Just testing. I knew that. Um, when, when God sends Samuel and, and to pick out the new king and, you know, uh, the father's brought out all of his kids, he thinks, and he's like, well, is there one more maybe? Please, 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 because I've really missed God otherwise. And the last and the least, the one who could hardly be remembered by his own father, David, is chosen to become the king. Prepared as a shepherd, prepared as a worshiper, prepared as one who protects the sheep and feeds the sheep. Prepared by the hands of God, just as you are being prepared to serve in all the capacities that God has for you. And don't you dare let age get in the way. So be stretched by God. It's good. And over here, this is Priscilla. She's a delightful Christian pitcher. And Priscilla has been watching, and she's so excited about Joey. He was just out of mud a little bit ago, and look at him now. Oh, so it's like revival time. It's wonderful. And, and I remember what it was like when the potter's hands were shaping me and forming me. And, and oh, it was thrilling. Now look what he's doing. But I haven't felt the hand of God, the potter, for a while. And I'm getting a little bit dry, says Priscilla. And, and I, I'm even wondering if perhaps the potter has forgotten me. So Priscilla needs to be reminded of the truth. I'm here, and I'm watching you. And in order to complete you, I need to put a handle on you, but you're too soft for that right now. I have to let you dry a little bit, mature a little bit, and then I'll attach a handle. But I'm watching, because there's just the right moment for that. So if you're in a moment right now, a time in your life where it seems like God is very still, he has not abandoned you, he's with you. He's just waiting for the very next step. Well, Joe, you're looking pretty good. I think for now we'll set you at, at ease. And, and Joe is, of course, uh, he's, he's ready to rock, man. He 
he's like, oh, I've got shape. Now I've been made by the potter. It's wonderful. So good. I'm ready to go out and be that vase, that jar in a, in a house somewhere. And I'm like, well, Joe, I know you're feeling that way, but you're not ready yet. There's another stage you need to go through. Because if I sold you and if I sent you out right now, as soon as the, uh, the person that owns you poured water into you for the flowers, you'd turn into a mud puddle in like three minutes. That's not my plan for you. All of us, as the writer of James states, all of us must be tested that our faith level may be determined, may grow. And we are not tested on a hammock, are we? Or a recliner, or having a million dollars all of a sudden. We're tested in the fire. And in order for, let's see, you guys, oh, here it is. In order for Joe to become rock solid, in order for you and I to have true faith in God, we personally need to go through some really painful times. That's where we find that, that faith. We can borrow faith from other people or from the Word, but until it becomes impregnated in us by God himself, uh, it doesn't become vitally real or authentic. So I take all my pots, I glaze them, I bring them outside of the studio. They've never seen anything outside the studio it's all new and all different and when you you know uh, uh, you've, you've lost your career perhaps or a major relationship has gone sour or or lost or uh, one of your children is doing very poorly uh, in life and you're scared for them whatever it is that is that major we're not talking hangnail stuff we're talking big stuff um, it's like being placed into the furnace it's like being these pots are going into a kiln my kiln is so large that I can stand up inside of it, I can spread my arms out and barely touch the walls. Um, holds lots of pots, and it goes up to 2,350 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. It goes hot enough that the clay molecules actually melt and fuse together, and they become like stone. And it's in the heat moments of our lives that the Word of God, our faith in God, our relationship with God gets tested because we're going, God, when the doctor says cancer, God, where are you? When, when the things that we value most are possibly going to be lost, where are you, God? In the midst of the heat of the firing, these pots could be saying to each other, where's the potter? Where is the potter? We can't see him. Have you seen the potter? No, I haven't seen the potter. Where's the potter? And we do have an adversary, don't we? And he is a liar, as Jesus said. And he'll come along and say, yeah, your God's gone to the Bahamas, man. But this is the truth. Whenever I'm firing my kiln, it takes 24, 30 hours. I am all around that kiln. I am making adjustments to the burners. I'm making adjustments because of wind. I, make, I want my pots to succeed. And God wants you to be successful, to live through this process, to actually become stronger as a result of it.
It's, we never choose fire, beloved. We never choose it. But God ordains it. But this is what God always does. I am with you. I am with you. He was with the Israelites all across the, the desert. He's with the apostles as they went out. He's with, don't, don't you love Paul and Silas in Philippi when they get wrongfully accused and put in, thrown into prison and, in, and they're in locks, which mean their legs are stretched out and, and, and their arms are stretched out and in the bottom of a rat-infested, dirty prison. And so, you know, what, what do they do? They pray and sing songs to God. And what happens? God sends an earthquake. I love that story. So in the midst of our worst terrors, in the midst of our worst losses, God is with you. Don't ever forget that, people. Some of you are in it right now, but don't ever forget the reality that God says, I'm here. I am that I am, says God. And when we come out of the fire, when I remove each pot, I examine it, and I enjoy each one, I look at them. There will be the ultimate firing, and that is the day that we pass from this life into the next. And I know that will be the day when you and I as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we will walk through that, come out the other side where I open up the door of the kiln, and we see our potter face to face, Jesus. And I believe we'll see his smile. Just as I smile at these pots. And then, I don't make these pots to, uh, to stay in my studio. I made these pots to go out. And this is right here, this room. You know, we call this the church. This isn't the church. You are the church. This is the building in which you meet in. And you're not designed to camp here, live here, stay here forever. You're to go out from, this is a workshop of God right here. And you are to go out from this place and serve the Lord with all that he's given you here. And these pots, every pot I've made has my name, Blakesley, on the bottom of it. Every one of us who have received Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, we have the name Jesus on us. And when people flip us around in the midst of our crises and we still have joy, we still have peace, and they're going, what's with you? And they flip us around enough, they're going to sooner or later see the name Jesus. But as we go out and serve in whatever manner God has created us to minister with, be aware that some of us will be called to a prominent role. Um, that certainly has happened in my life. It's happened in pastors, worship leaders, prophets, people who are on stage a lot, we're seen a lot. We have to be very careful, like, you know, this vase, if it becomes proud, this vase can become a vase. <laughs> Just a slight twist of word. 
What a difference. And the vase can say, oh, <laughs> you're so little. This is what we got to be aware of. Because the whole thing is to be faithful in whatever God has called you to. Do it with everything you got. It's the parable of the talents. Don't bury it. Give it away and give it away and give it away and give it away with everything you got that God gives you. Give it away. And it will multiply. And this, this little mug, this little mug can say, hey, Vaz, you know what? I live in my master mistress's cupboard. Every morning, one of them gets up comes to the cupboard, pulls me out. I'm their favorite mug. <laughs> and they take me over to their chair, sit down, hold me close, lift me up. And I refresh them. I love being a mug. Whatever God has called you to, do it with everything you have and do it with joy and praise of God and delight. Because he's the one that made you. All right. I got one last thing I want to share with you. And uh, I don't know. Do, do you have worship team come up at this point? Uh, so worship team, come on up. And uh, don't play anything quite yet, but get ready. So all along here, I've been talking about living out the promise of who you really are. That you, every single person in this room, whether you know Jesus or not, he's already forming you towards his purpose. And once you say yes to him and believe in him, his hands are free to move on you and shape you. But there may be some of you in this room right now that, you know, you, you live the life like, Joe right here, like this pot up here where, you know, you're, you're saying, so people say, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. At work, at church, wherever. But when I address to you this morning this message, this calling, this invitation that God has for every person in this room to live out fully, live in abundance. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. That means to live out fully what you were created for. You're on a mission, people, every one of you. I don't care how young or old you are. But some of you may be backpedaling right now. Because some of you may be saying, hey, Dave, you know, I love what you're talking about. I really believe in it, but, but Dave, you don't know me. You see, when I come to church, I'm showing this side. But when I go home this afternoon, this is the side that I see in the mirror. Because some of you are deeply broken. At least one of you in this room, a room this size. Deeply broken. Either a sin that you have done or sins that have been done against you. And you bear battle scars like this pot. And, and the enemy will come along and say, you know, that was a great message, but you're disqualified because of this and this and this. So I want to share in closing a story that Jesus told about a, a young man who 
judged himself and considered truly that he was no longer qualified to carry out the role that he was born into. We don't know his name. Jesus told a story of a, of a father who had two sons. And the youngest one came to him and said, Father, give me my share of the inheritance now, which was an outrageous thing to request. And the father graciously gave him his half. And the young man took the cash, went to a faraway, very independently went to a faraway land, spent it. We don't know exactly how he spent it, but it was soon gone. Jesus said a famine came on the land and jobs were scarce. And the only job that this young man could get was feeding hogs. And so he, he fed the hogs, but the hog farmer wouldn't even let him eat the pig food. And the young man started to get hungry. And when we've spent our inheritance, our earthly inheritance, we get hungry. When we get broken like this, we get desperate. And the young man said, I, I am no longer worthy of being my father's son. I'm no longer worthy before heaven and God. But my father takes good care of his servants, his workers. I can't be a son anymore, but I'll go home and work. And I'll be fed, I'll be clothed, I'll even have shelter. So he starts walking home. And he keeps rehearsing those lines over and over. And Jesus said that the Father, who we know as God, the Father saw him from a long way off. And he, he saw this young man, and my, my hunch about it is that when he first saw him, his eyes opened up, and he looked off in the distance. There's that. His walk looks familiar. Oh, it's my boy. It's my son. And he, he hikes up his, old, his robes, and this dignified old man, this wealthy old man, runs across the fields. And the young man sees his father coming. And, and as the father gets close to the son, Jesus said that the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father does this. Takes the son in his arms and holds him close. And he says to the servant, go kill the fatted calf, the best one we got on the ranch. And, and call all of Lakeland tonight because we're going to banquet, because my son was lost, and he is found, and my son was dead to me, and he's home and alive. Go get the robe. Go get the robe with the, the best one, the one that has the family pattern, and we're going to put it on him. And, and, and go get the ring of authority of our family crest, so that every time, because now that he's home, I know he's a mess, but, but now that he's home, he has my authority. Some of you need to come home. And the last thing that the father's request was sandals. It's interesting, almost like, why sandals? In the day of Jesus, the culture knew that servants were not allowed to wear footwear. They had to go barefoot. 
So when the father said, we're putting sandals on you because your plan won't work. You can't work to live in my house. You can't work to eat my food. You can't work for my love or your sonship. It's all grace. It's because I love you, son. Let's stand. This, this jar here was once just like this at another church and it's been remade. And brother or sister, whoever you are, where you feel defeated today, where you feel broken, whether it be relationship or health or job or whatever it is that has you down, what God is going to say is come on home. Come on home to Jesus. Come on home to God who loves you, who will not deny you, who wants to embrace you. No matter how, I mean, this is mud. And I feel so good holding it. And the Father, Papa, feels so good holding it. So if that's where you are today, my invitation, his invitation is to come on home and let him make you new again and restore you and heal you up and make you whole again. Thank you. So those of you, if you want prayer this morning, um, I, my assumption here is that there are people that will come up and pray with you or off to the side, however you do it. If you want some ministry from the Lord, if God's spoken to you about anything today that you would like even further prayer going before God, this is a good time for that. Amen. Pastor Andy, where did you disappear to? There you are. You got my back, bro. Teams, you can come up. I would love to pray with anybody that wants prayer as well. And Dave said he'll pray with anybody who wants prayer. We'll just sing one last song.